Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our area's most beautiful properties deserve the finest realtors. Meeks Realty Group. We focus on buying and selling residential and commercial properties throughout the tri-state area. Contact Meeks Realty Group online at meeks.us or call 304-440-1101. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 580 WCHS, its employees, or WVRC Media. Eight twenty-one on five eighty WCHS, the voice of Charleston. Good Thursday morning to you, thir- first Thursday in the month of May. I'm Jeff Jenkins with Tom Payton of the Payton Law Firm in Nitro. That means the phones are open three zero four three four five fifty eight fifty eight three zero four three four five fifty eight fifty eight. Lines are opening. Questions about the law. Thomas here brought the sunshine with you, Tom. Yeah, I thought I'd. Yeah. <laughs> It is May, as you it said. Is May. So it is May. It's going to start to feel like it today, finally. I think that's just crazy. I, I didn't check to see, but I think they were getting some snow even to, into last night late oh, yeah, they up were. in the mountains and yeah. over a foot of snow, which is uh, crazy. But I'm a warm weather guy, so I'd rather it be 95 degrees than 55 degrees. Yeah, so it's going to get progressively days. warmer the next uh, next couple of days. Yeah, it sounds like we're around the curve there and uh, or over the hump, and so hopefully it'll stay warmer nights helping and yeah, I got to get my tomato plants out here. I guess not till the end of May or something. Yeah, as we've learned, it can yeah. still be cool. Of course, I cheat now. So I was able to find some. Um, our old little garden area got overcome by my wife expanding our deck out back. So I uh, actually did potted tomato plants last year. Yes, and they sell these vinyl canvas type. They look like bags, but they expand to pots. They're real light. Right. They let air in and water out, so it's really good for the roots. And uh, I use that. Went real well, but I put those cages down in there over top of them, and then first storm, bam, just blew them over. And of course, the tomato—I do the heirlooms, and so they grow so big and strong. They just pull the little cages right up out of the soil because you can only get them so deep in those right, pots. But, right. but yeah, if you want to, you know, you don't. There's no real weeding, and you can just put a little fertilizer in there. And I had them up on my deck, and they—they they worked really well. Did they? I... Yeah. So I'm going to do that again. This year, I got a different mechanism for, I guess, staking them or keeping them up in the air. I want to yeah. use some of that, um, whatever you call that, 
wire mesh you put down in concrete when you're setting it sometimes. Oh, okay. Circle it around and pin it down in the pot, then put the soil on top of that and see if I can get the plants down in there. So, uh, but yeah, I, I love summer tomatoes. I mean, there's nothing like that. Oh, yeah. So you, you do oh, yeah. three, four plants and yeah. that'll, that'll get you My through. My wife's favorite summer snack would be tomatoes and toast and yeah. butter. Yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a tomato bacon mayo yeah. toast. Oh yeah, yeah nothing yeah. else. Not not no lettuce. No, but um, yeah. So hopefully we're turning the corner. We're going to get there, and um, things are looking up. So hopefully we get some calls this morning. We'll see. Um, maybe remind people what we do a little bit. So you know, our office is in Nitro, right off uh, about a mile and a half, maybe a mile off the interstate. There, easy easy access from. The west to Milton or from Charleston's probably about a 20 minute drive without traffic. And, um, you know, what we do a lot, I guess, or over the years have is civil litigation. So you got an issue with an insurance carrier not paying an automobile accident claim or uh, have any type of injury where you think it might be the result of somebody else's fault, then, uh, you know, that's. That's kind of what we do for the most part. But because we're there in the suburbs, I guess you would say nitro, and we try and help people when we can, we know how to do a lot of other stuff. So we do deeds, wills. Um, I'll do a little bit of family. I don't do very much family law anymore. I used to do a lot of it. just don't have – it's just not something I enjoy tremendously, so I will do it, but I'm pretty selective. So if you've got a family law issue, you can give me a call at the office, but it may not be one – I don't like to get – too many going at one time because they can become all-consuming and it's just not i've gotten in my career where i don't have to do those if i don't want to but uh we can certainly refer you to somebody that can do it and we do a little criminal defense actually going over to magistrate court after i'm done here today to do a defend a, a fellow on a uh, misdemeanor charge actually arose out of a road rage incident i've had like two or three of those over the last hmm. six seven months so if somebody doesn't let you in traffic or somebody cuts you off don't road rage them. Just yell and keep it to yourself. But, uh, yeah, just like chasing people and, and, you know, assaulting and things like that. I don't, it's bizarre to me that people would take their time to do that, but uh, maybe they're having a really bad day. It gets worse when they get charged with a crime. I don't know. Is it, uh, <laughs> is it, I mean, there's a lot of, tr- I don't know, maybe people are a little more short fused because sure. of all the work that's going on. on Traffic is, it is frustrating. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, I think they're getting, they're finally, they've been really working diligently at the nitro exit if you're heading east. I hope they're going to reopen the, ex- the exit. Yeah, the, yeah. the full lane. The full you know, lane. used to have yes. a, you know, three lanes, and the third lane, pushed to the right, would then be an exit only. And then they closed that lane for the last, I don't know, a month and a half or two months. And now they almost have that blacktop done, hopefully, to reopen that so we can get that extra lane in there. Because that's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, a wreck and you know getting onto the interstate from the nitro entrance ramp heading east is unusual it's got a yield sign now instead of merge you don't have very much room and so you can't you got to go up there and almost stop and i mean there's a wreck nitro pd could probably give you i bet there's a wreck there every day yeah and because they're building the new bridge they had to build a new little bridge is what i'm talking about a little bridge right past the exit Right. You know, well, that's go, the, we're all using the, the new bridge that will be the new big bridge. Yeah, that'll be right. the, so the yeah. old one's pretty much the substructure's all that, gone. Yeah, all yeah. the metal that um, was the frame or you the, can see is all or, gone, which yeah. is neat. Gives you gives you you don't realize it, but it clears up the view, and it's actually going to be quite nice. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so right now I think all traffic is using what will eventually be the eastbound. So now eastbound and westbound are using that. So uh, I don't think that's scheduled to complete until October 2024. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. but you know that. I don't know. seems like they're moving at a pretty good pace. So it wouldn't surprise me if they don't beat their estimate. And of course, a lot of that's dependent on weather and other other things. But I'm yeah. just hoping they get it done because it's actually the St. Albans entrance that's really bad. I mean, I don't know how that design got approved, but it's it's a stop sign. You know, you're, you have to stop rather than yield. It's already a construction zone with t- two tight lanes that go to the right, to the left. There's lines you can mm-hmm. see that are... You know, still painted on the road, they're just faint, which can be a bit confusing. Right. And then, you know, the, the stop, you're almost perpendicular to Interstate 64 when you hit that stop sign coming in from St. Albans. I mean, it's, there's not much mm-hmm. merging or you just have to go from zero to as fast as you can to get in there. And, and I, I think I haven't seen a big line of traffic lately. I think a lot of people are learning. If you're in the St. Albans area, just go through Institute. So once that's all done, the way I understand it is when you get on at Nitro heading eastbound, you'll have a pretty significant – you have a lane. I think so. You know, to get on – and then when you get on at St. Albans heading east, Nitro heading west, St. Albans heading east, you'll have like a full lane on the new bridge to kind of merge over. The interstate always reduced to two lanes heading west. Yeah at nitro because it was an exit only lane because mm-hmm. they had to go over the bridge we had to go over the bridge right. you, could, you didn't have any room for an extra lane so now there'll be an extra lane there right. that will either be you know created and continue from the entrance ramp or i guess you'll just merge like any but you'll have plenty of time to do it it'll be right. normal you know distance to merge on with the rest of the traffic so uh let me ask you something here tom and tom payton's with us Peyton law firm in nitro and the number to call if you got a question for Tom, lines are open, 304-345-5858, 304-345-5858. Okay, here's my question about kind of property owners' rights. Mm-hmm. We've been hearing a lot, just seems more and more, we've been reporting a lot, on abandoned houses being burned. Right. And and that, a lot of times, impacts other people. It impacts right. owner-occupied homes. Sure. You know, damage, maybe even catching fire, maybe even being destroyed. I mean, it's, a, it's yeah. It's, I've had a couple calls yeah. on that actually, and it, you know, the problem is that you know these dilapidated homes. If they, I mean, like Nitro is doing a really good job of of getting some grant funds and and um, getting them taken down. Right. I mean, they did a lot of that. It looks much better, and um, uh, but you get those that are, you know, so you get an airship or you get it. So you know, so many people own it, you never can get the title cleared up without spending some money on it. So nobody really wants to do it that has an ownership interest in it. Or you just get people that don't keep up the property for whatever reason. Then a lot of times what you get, you know, if, if they don't care enough to maintain it minimally, um, then it get you know, they don't pay the taxes on it. And then ultimately it goes to the tax sale. And then there are entities or people out there, their, their businesses to go and just buy up properties at tax sales but they don't sometimes they don't even know what they're getting until mm-hmm. they get it because they get it for very little you know small amounts and they figure well if, if it's not worth it i just won't move forward with it and don't pay the taxes again or don't do the legwork you have to do to actually get a deed after you buy a tax certificate at a tax sale so they're not motivated you know if they see it and, and want to put some money into it. some of them will, will tear those down and then rebuild little small homes and they can mm-hmm. flip them so to speak but otherwise yeah you get these dilapidated homes they just come 
a hazard for more reasons than one. One is because you get folks that, you know, homeless people in there and people that are addicted to drugs and trying to stay warm, et cetera. So it's not that they set it on fire on purpose, but that's the kind of stuff that happens there. And then, you know, the, 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 if you're a neighboring property that then the fire comes over and catches your home, which I've had a few of those calls and, um, there might be some liability on whoever was supposed to maintain the property, maybe, but you know they're not. <laughs> if it's in that shape, they, it's highly unlikely to have any type of liability insurance mm-hmm. that would cover that particular property. And yeah, you can file a lawsuit against them, but uh, and you might win, but good luck recovering any actual funds. So you won't want to pay a lawyer to do it, and a lawyer won't take that on a contingency fee for the difficulty of actually recovering anything but you have your you know then you have to go under your own homeowner's insurance mm-hmm. and and you should be fully compensated there minus you know most people have a deductible for their fire insurance claim and and so uh they would they would cover a neighbor's house or some neighboring property catching your house on fire sure yeah, yeah. if your house catches on fire for any reason unless it's arson well, i mean there's some exceptions in your policy it depends on what happens but yeah, if it's arson caused by one of the insureds, which, I mean, I've had those cases before where we homeowner's insurance carrier uh, investigates and is basically accusing the homeowner of um, arson. And so you got to battle those out. Uh, but and it's not arson. If somebody sets your home on fire or sets the neighbor's home on fire on purpose and it then comes over to your property and catches your home on fire, that's... That's not I – mean, you still get covered under your homeowner's insurance. Mm-hmm. It's not arson. It's got to be an intentional act done by you or at your the insured's direction. So you will still be covered there, and you should be fully covered if you have you – know, everybody ought to have – if you have a loan against your home, which most people do, then you know, you're going to have a fire policy that covers it because you're either paying for it uh, or you're required to pay for it as, as a part of your loan terms. And if you quit paying for it, your lender will pay for it. And if your lender pays for it because you quit paying for it, then a lot of times it will only cover your home to the extent of the balance due on your mortgage. So you got you don't want them. That's called forced placed insurance, and hmm. and it's kind of pricey. You'll see it come on your statement as like an you know where you see your escrow, and you'll see a forced place insurance premium payment on your on your statement, and uh, that usually only protects the lender. So you don't want that. Don't let it go and just let them force place. Go buy some uh, fire insurance if you can. But it is difficult, isn't it, Tom, to – and because you mentioned and, – and, and Nitro's done a good job. Charleston's tried to do some of this, and they've, they've done a, a good bit of, of this too. But it's not as easy as you would think of taking down a house. Yeah, well, you got to have funds to do it, first of yeah. all. So what I've seen in – now they're getting – I don't know if it's uh, something related to COVID relief or not, but – you know, Nitro, I think, is getting grants to do it. Yeah, there's some in the, in the state auditor's office right. has a program. you got to give owners due process. I mean, you can't yeah. just come in and, like, i got a house behind mine, my office. That's, you know, the fellow that lived there that basically owned it or owned an interest in it passed away from COVID. And uh, nobody, I don't believe anybody's ever opened an estate for him. Uh, I don't know who the heirs, you know, I don't know if he didn't have a legal will and you don't know who the heirs are, well, then it just... People are just in and out of there. Eventually, the city, I mean, they get, we, we had to complain a few times because you got people fighting and, you know, there's got businesses there and nobody wants to come to a business when you have to deal with people cursing and drinking in their front yard and throwing beer cans around. And so uh, Nitro did a really good job. They responded. They tried to stop it. Uh, eventually, they boarded it up, put caution tape around it, and it's boarded up now. 
and somebody comes tries to climb in, they reboard it up. I mean, it's just a pra- and now I think they they basically stopped. But that that's a good example. That piece of property went up for. I mean, nobody's paying the taxes, um, and nobody's actually living there now. So there's really no motivation if there's some heirs out there that that uh, want it. I mean, they they would have to go through the state process to get it straightened out, and none of them are doing it. Um, so it was sold at a tax sale. So some other some third party bought it. But of course, when you when you go to a tax sale like the auction then you don't get a deed at the time. You buy, like, tax certificate. Mm-hmm. So then there's a whole process where you've got to you know, look, do a search at the courthouse and figure out who has an ownership interest or any interest in the property, and then you have to send them proper or sell the, tell the state auditor to send proper notices to all those people that they have a right to redeem the property, pay all the back tax and some fees on top of that. And if they do, then you get your money back for what you paid for the tax certificate. And if they don't redeem it, after a certain amount of time, then um, then you get a deed at that point. Then there's still a period after that for which you don't really get solid title to it, good ownership. Like I'm not sure lenders would even loan against it in the first couple of years after you get a tax deed because uh, an owner or interested party could pop up and file a lawsuit claiming they didn't you didn't give them proper notice of the right to redeem. And then a judge could set that whole tax sale aside. So that's interesting. You know, we, get, we do get a lot of calls about that because people start to dabble in the tax. You know, oh, well, there's this piece of property. I'm going to buy it for cheap. But then they don't realize, yeah, but really to do it right, you need to pay a lawyer after you buy the tax certificate to do a little minimal title search to figure out who's got an interest in it. Then you got to pay the auditor to you know, serve those people either by mail, certified mail, publication, or maybe personally try and give them notice. And then you eventually get a deed, and then you might have – couple years where there's still a concern that somebody could uh, file a lawsuit to try and set aside the deed that you have, which mm-hmm. makes it um, you know, less marketable for the first couple of years because uh, a lot of legitimate lenders won't loan against properties that are in that situation. Um, although if you have the funds and it's really, you can file a lawsuit after you get the deed, but you have to sue everybody that you were supposed to have given notice to redeem to and try and get the court to declare that you gave proper notice. Therefore, their ability to file a lawsuit to set it aside is done and title is vested in you. I would think that there are do- I mean, dozens, I mean, hundreds of examples, probably more than that, of people who have lived in a place for multiple years. There's an abandoned house close to them aside they're concerned about. You know, that people are coming to live in, that it's going to catch on fire. Mm-hmm. They want to kind of be proactive, but it, man, it's just so, it's, it, you just described kind of yeah. some of the process. It's a hard I mean, what, what would you recommend? I mean, do so they just hope nothing happens or go to your municipality first? Yeah, I mean, what? you got to go. If you, I mean, that's the thing. Like, one man's trash is another man's treasure sometimes. So, you know, you, you, not liking someone's lifestyle or something or how they behave at their property you can't do a whole lot about necessarily but if it doesn't meet the basic minimal standards and it's uh, a health hazard um, then that's when you can get some help probably from the municipality and if you of course if you have most cities uh, probably every city versus unincorporated areas or small towns have some uh, municipal code sections about um disorderly conduct or that type of thing and so if you got people over there drinking and raising cane but that all you can do is report it to the law enforcement at that point i mean you can file a lawsuit i mean there's cases 
if it's a nuisance, you know, unreasonable, something on the neighbor's property unreasonably interferes with your right uh, to enjoy your property. And those are usually, those cases that have been successful are usually where they're like, pump, you know, maybe a, a commercial, somebody puts a commercial uh, building in beside a residential area and they're pumping floodlights over on your property or fumes or something like that. And then, but they're, Neighbor interaction generally, even cursing or yelling, uh, being a jerk to your neighbor isn't really something the law can help on a from a civil standpoint, and probably really a criminal either. Unfortunately, unless it depends on what the behavior is. I mean, if there's threats of physical violence or something that's a little different, you can get some help there um, in magistrate court. But I mean, there's a case in West Virginia or two. It went to the Supreme Court where it's just like, well, yeah, neighbor flipping you off every morning when they get in their car or i mean you have heard it all in these uh but those cases they don't um it's just not doesn't constitute a legal nuisance where you can get a civil restraining order mm-hmm. to govern that type behavior between neighbors and that's what i mean i've said bad neighbors once it goes bad it's just a real difficult problem to resolve because rarely does it heal itself somebody moves away or right just doesn't live there any longer for and, some reason and if you're concerned about an empty house Beside you, again, municipality or yeah. Kanawha County, the planning office, maybe or sure. Or, or you know, I've also had clients say, "Hey, Tom, I got to figure out who owns this." And mm-hmm. you know, if you can figure out who owns it, or maybe even the heirs that own it, I mean, you can help to get the title straightened out and buy it from them. That's if you got the funds. I mean, I've had now they don't have to sell it. You can't force them to sell you the property, but um, you know, eventually the. And when the city does think like Nitro come in and have to mow grass, like in that property I was talking about behind my office mm-hmm. to make – and so every time they do that or if they have to take a property down, I mean, they put liens uh, for what they spend on the property against the property. So that makes it more difficult to handle later as well. I don't think – they don't usually do forced sales or anything in order to get the money out of it. But if it's ever going to be sold, those liens got to be – addressed and satisfied generally mm-hmm. so uh, but yeah i've had that where uh neighbors said well i want to i can't stand these neighbors there's you know, i think there's drugs going in and out of there and they're living there i don't know if they own it or not it's like all right tom go figure out will you help me go figure out do a little title work on this and let's see who the legal owners are and then uh, we'll make them an offer see if we can buy them out and get the property then once you get the property and you own it then you can take some legal uh, measures to get what in essence is kind of squatters or something out of the property which can be a hassle as well if they've been there for a while but it can be done we're going to take our break tom payton with the payton law firm in nitro is with us the lines are open 304-345-5850 maybe you've got a question about property issue tom can answer that and others it's 842-304-345-5850. Back in a moment on 580 WCHS. If you've been hurt in a car wreck, stop worrying about your car, stop worrying about your medical bills, and stop worrying about your lost wages. Just call Peyton Law Firm right now, and we'll fight to stop your car wreck worries. I'm Tom Payton, and if a careless driver hurts you, it's our job to hold their insurance company responsible. Call us today at 755-5556 or visit PeytonLawFirm.com. As Ben Franklin famously wrote, In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. 
Ben had a great point, but unfortunately that statement has been misquoted over the years, which leads us to another lesson. No one likes to be misquoted, especially when it comes to their final wishes. Fortunately, Health Markets can help you find a final expense insurance plan that can provide funds for your family when they need them the most, including burial and funeral services, medical bills, probate fees, and other expenses. Plus, final expense insurance can increase in value over time as you pay your premiums. Sometimes life can get overwhelming, but Health Markets can help you find a final expense insurance plan that fits your needs. Get started today at ourfinalexpense.com. Health Markets Insurance Agency, Inc. is licensed as an insurance agency in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. Service and product availability varies. Whole life insurance does not specifically cover funeral goods or services and may not cover the entire cost of your funeral at the time of your death. The beneficiary of this life insurance may use the proceeds for any purpose unless otherwise directed. With the power of Peyton on your side, we have the courtroom experience that you need. We never give up. We're prepared to fight for your rights. When you need action, count on us. Put the power of Peyton on your side. The power of Peyton. It's 845 on 580 WCHS. The voice of Charleston, Jeff Jenkins with Tom Peyton of the Peyton Law Firm in Nitro. 304-345-5858. 304-345-5858. Questions about the law, and John is calling in, Tom. All right. Yeah, John, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sorry, no I, I tuned in late, so I hope this wasn't covered. But uh, uh, I have an elderly father. He's, uh, he's 80, uh, soon to be 87, 86. And he's got a neighbor that has a massive, massive tree uh, just on the other side of the fence that produces those little whirly gigs, the helicopter mm-hmm. things. That yeah, it's maple clog. tree. And and they clog his gutters. I'm worried that he gets you know, he gets up on a ladder and tries to clean the gutters out. But the, one of the issues is that uh, the tree has roots that that come under. Uh, he's a master rosarian. He has one of the most immaculate gardens uh, mm. that, that you ever see. But these things get embedded in in his yard, and he is constantly with getting five-gallon buckets full of those little things that, uh, you know, he, and, he, and he, he's 86. Uh, the, the tree limbs are starting to hang over uh, his property. The, you never see the neighbors. There's no ill will or anything like that. But is there any recourse for him to? Yeah, I mean, there, well, there, there is, and some of it's easier than others. So first thing you want to do is try and nicely communicate with the neighbor and see if there's some resolution. I mean, it's if it. You know the um, even if, if your dad had some funds, maybe split some split the fee to have the tree taken down if they'll agree. Um, generally, you can't go on their property without permission. But if you can't reach some agreement on it after approaching them, then basically your dad owns from the ground of the sky. So if and that's it can be practical issues. But I mean, he could literally go in and get rent to maybe get a backhoe or a chainsaw or whatever and cut those roots that are growing in and just cut them off at his property line he could go up in the air in a bucket truck not him if he's 80 some years old don't recommend that but hire somebody to do it and go up there and cut every limb that encroaches on his side of the property and then uh, he's discussed um you know he's discussed uh, speaking to him and offering to split the fee but there is, uh, there's really no money on the other side of the fence mm-hmm. that, that they have to, to do anything like that. And, you know, he's, uh, uh, he has, he's thought about everything that you, you, you just said with the exception. He, I don't think he would 
try to poison the tree or cut the roots or anything like that, but it just really is uh, upsetting to him. And, uh, right. I wasn't talking about trying to kill the tree. What I'm saying is yeah. you said roots are infiltrating his property. So yeah. he can go, yeah. just like you can cut limbs, you can go down and cut roots too. Now, whether that would kill the tree or not, I don't know. But that doesn't matter. It's tra- it's They're allowing it to encroach on his property. So, but that, I, that tree is so massive that you know, even if you trimmed a couple of limbs, it would it wouldn't even put it down. Right. And the wind the wind blows perfectly from that property over over to his property. And uh, yeah, and if he's got the funds, he could just offer to pay for it. I mean, just write him a letter and say, "Here, we'll we'll pay to take this down. If you don't care, just let me know. We have permission." And then take it down i mean if they don't have the funds to do it or you know you got multiple owners that are absentee or something then that's he can offer to do that too and when we've had those windstorms uh you know they just cringe because those those windstorms we had last month uh, if that tree fell it would just i mean it would just totally crush their house as well but he probably ought to get a letter out you know like if he wants to offer to pay for it for example you know, probably ought to get them a letter somehow saying, you know, here is this tree. I think one, it's, you know, it's 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 encroaching on my property and causing problems with the gutters, yeah. etc. Two, uh, it it's old and there's fear it might fall on my property and damage it. And three, however, you know, as long as you'll give me permission, I'll hire a contractor to come in and take it out, and I'll yeah. pay for it. Get them a letter like that, either walk it over and put it in their mailbox or something. I would make calls yeah. first so you don't get you know, people right. get get up in the back if you get I them think a letter. They're, they're totally uh, they're totally oblivious, I think, to the to to even what's going on. Right. So you don't even know if they even know. So uh, that's, that's yeah, that's uh, definitely that's the first step. Then if you take it beyond that and it gets breaks down and you really want to do something about it, I mean, yeah. You know, having uh, maple seedlings fly all over your property in unreasonable amount. Of course, that's only, what, month of the year, one month, two, month and a half of the season. But um, or some of those other things you talked about, I mean, yeah, you can file. I mean, nobody really does it very often because they don't want to pay lawyers to do it and all that. I mean, right. you can file a lawsuit alleging that the tree's a nuisance and it's encroaching on his property and it's dangerous and all that. And a judge might order you know, it be taken down or controlled in some way. Um, and then also the other thing is once you, you know, if you put them on notice that, that, or your, your father does that he thinks there's a problem with it as far as, uh, it being dangerous, then if it does fall later, um, he would have a decent argument that, you know, if they have homeowner's insurance, that it would have to pay for all the damages as opposed to him having to bear the burden of, you know, paying to fix things like fences or garages or roofs or whatever, if the tree falls. So that letter would be good, but I, I always caution people go go knock on the door or make a call or two first before you start sending letters because right you know, what you they might take it a different way than it was intended exactly. and you know everybody knows all that is these days with emails and texting i mean it's just uh you know everybody gets caught in it where you know you think you're meaning x and then somebody reads it and interprets it as y and if they interpret it as something uh aggressive towards them or somehow unfair then you've soured you may sour their relationship and then right. uh it becomes great, an insolvable problem. Yeah, great, great advice. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, John. Okay. And the lines are open. Thanks, John, for that. 842-304-345-5850. 304-345-5850. Tom Payton with the Payton Law Firm Nitro. I noticed today, Tom, on Judge Ballard's docket, a number of back-to-back hearings involving the State Division of Highways and property owners. Now, I'm not sure these might be the property owners out in the Cross Lanes area because they're going to 
expand the road. Expand the yeah. road I know, know they're doing some yeah, starting that process yeah. on a few of them there. Yeah, expand the road, but there's some condemnation or they're, they're hearings. Yeah, eminent like, domain. So, right. you know, eminent uh, domain is the it's, – it's rooted in the Constitution, and it gives the government the ability to take private property or sometimes quasi-government utilities can – do it too under certain circumstances but they it's they can take private property f- to use for quote public good and that's been interpreted in my opinion pretty broadly over the years what public good is and so for example going through cross lanes if they're going to expand the main road through cross lanes um you know and you're a property owner and they're wanting to take part of your property to do that you're i mean very slim to none chance you're going to argue that it's not for the public good or for example you know the road should be in a different location so they don't take your property the arguments normally are and where we get involved a lot of times is what are you entitled to as a result of the taking by the government so um you agree then it's fine doh attorneys draft up a deed and then you know they pay the money and you deed them your interest in the property that they need and there's things, you know, you can grant them the property in fee so they own it or a permanent right away. There's Sometimes there's temporary construction easements that are part of it that you need to be compensated for where your property is just occupied for a certain period of time. But if you don't reach an agreement, I mean, they'll make an offer. They'll have it appraised, and their appraiser will say what it, what the value is. And it's interesting because it is a take and not a voluntary sale, you get it appraised at its highest and best use, which might not be the current use. So, for example, it's in a commercial zone, but it's a house. You might be able to get it appraised at commercial value. And then if they don't take all of your property, you also should get something for uh, the diminished value of the residue that you still own. Because sometimes you you can do per acre or per square foot values. Well, then you got half a lot left that doesn't have any value at all. So they need to pay you for the whole thing. But the way that process works, if you don't agree on the value, is the the state can still move forward with their construction project if you don't have an agreement. And that's what I think these hearings are probably mm-hmm. for is they file a petition saying, here's our project, here's what we've offered, there's a dispute about the value, et cetera. And so you have a right of entry hearing right at the beginning, and the judge will normally enter an order letting them enter, meaning use the property, but they have to deposit with the clerk the amount they've offered. And so when we get involved then we're usually able to very quickly get that money to our client. And then the rest of the case continues, and it's about what more, if any, are you entitled to as a result of the government's take. Okay. Yeah. And we've go. done a lot of those over the years, a lot of them with Route 35 right. when they were expanding it in Putnam County. Let's go to the line. Jerry is on with Tom Payton. Jerry, go ahead. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Jerry. Uh, My question is this. Uh, last summer I was setting a stoplight on a motorcycle. And a young lady came up behind me and hit me so hard that it completely totaled the motorcycle. Mm -hmm. I'm 72 years old, and I was thrown to the ground, needless to say. You you know, when you're hit from behind like that, you're usually tossed off. And uh, I never went to the hospital. I wasn't sure what injuries I had because I've had so many in the past. And uh, I didn't know what was old and what was new. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I never signed off on any kind of injury paperwork or anything like that. Uh, they did, uh, you know, pay me for the motorcycle, but mm-hmm. to replace that bike, it cost me $4,000 out of my pocket. 
and I'm getting ready to call that insurance company and try to strike a deal, which they would not do uh, at that time. They said, well, you didn't go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. You don't have any injuries. I said, well, you know, when you, when you throw a 72-year-old man onto the pavement, uh, it's not like it's, you know, a walk in the park. And you cost me money, and, and I'm just wondering, is there anything that I can do to call this company and talk to them and see if I can get any satisfaction? And I'll take your answer uh, off the air. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Jerry. So, you know, if you had, I mean, if you're thrown to the ground, you probably had some bruising or scratches. I don't know if that was preserved in any way. But, I mean, there's no real requirement that you go to a doctor in order to have a bodily injury claim. And so... Because it was somebody else's fault. Now, this is against somebody's liability, automobile insurance, not your own auto insurance. That's different. That's a contractual thing. You don't usually have extra damages. But so there's there's a few things to – and it's probably not a lawyer case, Jerry, because, you know, there's just not enough money in it, frankly. Um, uh, but, uh, yes, I mean, your testimony alone, like I was sore. You know, I had bruising, scratches. Now – what kind of value? You, know, you don't have lost wages, you don't have medical bills, so there's not going to be a big value there. But yes, you can certainly tell them you want to make an injury claim and maybe even provide a witness on a spouse or family member that says, yeah, I remember he was really sore for a while or yeah, yeah I saw bruises, scratches. Uh, again, you're not going to be a lawyer for that type of claim because the value is not going to be enough. But you know, if they want you to release their insured, the person who caused the accident, from any further liability related to the bodily injury, they have to compensate. There's got to be some consideration for that. So even if it's 500 bucks, for example, or $1,000, uh, there is value to that insurance company for you signing a release. That way they protect their insured for the potential. You might file a lawsuit in master court or something against their insured. And that's their job is to adjust the claim, and but also to protect the person they insure from having to get sued and that kind of thing. So, yeah, you you can – make the type of arguments I just stated. And if you've got any evidence of an injury, it doesn't have to be a doctor, like a picture, a substantial money. Of course, that's in the eye of the beholder. Um, and then on your on your property damage claim, if you didn't sign a release, I mean, they, they should pay the fair market value of the motorcycle if it was totaled or full price to get it repaired, plus something for all the time you're without a vehicle. Uh, and so that's, that's not a number that's... It can be as mathematically calculable, but uh, you can throw a number out there just for your aggravation and inconvenience of having to do, deal with the property damage. See, that's often not thought about either, but when it's a liability insurance carrier, that's a damage you're entitled to in West Virginia. There's no formula for it, but uh, but yeah, you've got some options. There's aggravation and inconvenience on your property damage claim. They, I truly didn't pay you for that already because they don't voluntarily do it. And then if you got any injury at all, bodily injury, there's certainly bodily contact to the ground, then you've got a claim there, not a big one, but potential. All righty. Peyton Law Firm in Nitro, PeytonLawFirm.com. Yeah. Or give us a call at the office, 304-755-5556, or stop by. All right, Tom. Thanks. Thank you. Stay tuned. ABC News is next. This is 580 WCHS. 580 WCHSAM, 96.5 FM Charleston, 104.5 Cross Lanes, on WVRC Media Station. We're proud to live here, too.